Bedrock Babes and Buckling Boys. Pick a peck of pickled pehoho. Vacate your vacuoles. And that's it. I'm not putting up with your schist anymore. According to the Mo's Hardness Scale, it's time to talk tall to me. Ninth grade uh, Earth Science. That's big. good. I, that's great. Deep that's cut. Great. Deep cut. Love it. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are that beautiful geological construction called the Feckless Moans. And this, my little pebbles, is talk tall to me. A journey to the center of the prog rock, in which normal fault Nick and obsidian omen will mine the rich vein of tracks that a rudacious rock band Jethro Tull deposited starting a geological age ago in the late 1960s. We will gape at the gastrolith gemstone of Andy Giddings, protect the plutonic piercing point of Matt Pegg, and admire the singularly perfect cleavage of Martin Biotite Bar. And if we delve too greedily and too deep, we may disturb that from which we flee, Durin's Bane, the carbonic cacophonist, the sandstone Scotsman, the feldspar flautist, the drill core kilt daddy, a man so full of musical magma that the VDAP have him under constant observation, Ian Angular Unconformity Anderson. Well done. My favorite music in high school was drill core. <laughs> Do you know that acid rock and country rock are also are actually geological terms? That's not a joke. I'm not. Oh, joking. that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I did yeah. not know that. Nick. Oh man. Did you ever collect rocks? I collected shiny rocks for Raven for a little while when I was in my magpie phase, trying to impress her with my nest. <laughs> I would collect like tiny little pine cones and shiny rocks. Yeah. And it worked. Feathers. It worked. She has had my child. I don't know if it's a cuckoo, though. She laid your egg. He could be somebody else's egg there. I, I, the mailman's <laughs> egg. I, I've seen him. He's, he's yours. <laughs> Nick, I'm excited to talk about this track. This is possibly my very favorite off of this record. Lace top three. Yeah, it's a good one. And what is it? For all of the, the rockers on this album, this is a good one. So that's saying a lot. So we are on, depending on which track organization you look at, but we're looking at the more recent. This is track number four, Rocks on the Road. If you're looking at the Vulgate, it's track number three. So that's it. Track number four, Rocks on the Road. Shall we dive in? Shall we mine our way into this song? Let's do. And, and as we do, let's have a special listen out for, I mentioned them, Andy Giddings and Matt. Peg, son of Dave Peg. Omen Said. Hello. In three words, tell me why you why this is up there on your favorite songs. It is great. Really? <laughs> I like it. Relatable, mm -hmm. poetic, okay, drudgery. 
Yes, I accept. That was the three I have on my card, and oh. you win the Pontiac. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Where does the song rank for you on the album? Is this one that you get excited about? Is this one that you're like a little bit more meh about? It's really good. It's really, really good. It hits that little bit of emo that I still have in me, you know? Oh, yes, you do. I still like Tall, but it does provide that scratch for that itch. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. I cannot help but sing to this song. It's real good. It's the more emo side of Tull. It's the depressed side of Tull. Yeah. And it's along the same lines of what we've been seeing this whole album, I think. We'll get there, but... One of the reasons I love this album so much is that it is so thematically strong, and the theme is one that appeals to me personally. I mean, that's, that's why I like it. Yeah. When we talk about Rock Island, I think that we struggled a little bit more with talking about the themes because it's like, loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like an unspecified Ennui. loneliness. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. In more general terms, this album is much more specific, more fine-tuned. Yeah. Very specific, yes. And therefore, it is a much more refined type of suffering. Yes, yeah, and therefore more relatable. And therefore more relatable. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And the great thing about suffering is that everybody does it. I do it on the weekends just for fun. <laughs> I get up early to get in extra suffering. Just to suffer, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Actually, that's mm. true. <laughs> I lose so much suffering time when I'm enjoying myself, so I got to make up for it somewhere. I got to make it up, yeah. Musically, the success of this song, for me, mm -hmm. rides on the commitment to that extended acoustic instrumentation that mm. takes us about a full minute into the song. Yeah. It must be Ian on the acoustic guitar laying down that track. That sounds like him. It's got to be, yeah. And then around 30 seconds in, we get just a little soft touch from Martin on the buttocks. Two young cops handing out a beating. Know how to hurt. At 35, we get a tambo, but but not like the, not like Robocop tambo, where it's, you know, being played faster and harder than any human hand could do it. It's, <laughs> it's a reasonable, gentle tambo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tambo on quaaludes. Also feels like uh, like an Ian Tambo as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Down in the Oblet Bar of the hotel. And then in a minute we have we have Mr. Don Perry coming in on the drums. <laughs> then Matt Peggy the Junior. Matt Pegg jumps in at about 15 seconds after that, about 1.15, he comes in with that honky bass, that shutney of a bass. Yes, yeah. Oof, it's so good. Can't sleep to the wild sound of a city. Hear a car full of young boys heading for a fight. This bass is a little less, we've commented previously that Matt Pegg has that fluidity, that sense of flowiness to the bass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a little less present here. Yeah. But it's still got a drivingness to it. But it is a little bit more 
thumpy. Right. I think he trades that fluidity for the powerhouse of that, like real, like hits you in the in the solar plexus yes. feeling of the bass. It, it is very clumpy. You get pockets of it and then you, you come out of it and then you get hit it with it again. It's very pronounced when he does come on there. And it's it's nice. I mean, he's really proven himself as a bassist. It's really, really solid. So cool. I'd love to yeah. take a look at the trajectory of his career, see where he went from this point. Yeah. And then after that, keys come in about two and a half. Mm-hmm. Really sweet Andy Giddings coming in and kind of the sweeping ethereal, which leads everything kind of pulls back and we get that. And then we got Doan hitting the, the edge of the snare. Clap, clap. Really, really prominent. Crumbs on a breakfast table And then that leads into our really great jazzy breakdown at about three minutes. Oh my God, this to me, of all of the instrumental sections of all the bridges in all of Tall, this stands out to me so freaking much. It's beautiful. It's really, really lovely. I will not stop talking about this unless you stop me. Please, for the love of God. We've got at least another 45 minutes, so let's keep going with it. Here's what I love about this. Mm -hmm. Tall often likes to play with stylistical departures. Uh Uh-huh. We're playing in one style, and now we're going to break it down in a slightly different style, and that's fun for the ear. Mm-hmm. But this is a case where that stylistical switch is so skillfully tied to the lyrics mm. that it gives it a, another level of enjoyment. Just to briefly you know, touch on the, the context... Crumbs on the breakfast table and a million other little things to spoil my day. Now, how about a little light music to chase it all away? Chase it all away. Andy Giddings. And then the flute comes in there. Crumbs on a breakfast table. And a million other little things to spoil my day. How about a little light music? To chase it all away. And that whole exchange between Andy on the keys, Ian on the flute, Martin mm. on the guitar, all of them so relaxed, like they really are a jazz quartet who yeah, it's very good. has played this song so many times that they're just running through their, their shopping lists for what you know <laughs> yeah. what they have to get on the way home after the gig, and they're just vibing it out Mm -hmm. it stands so beautifully in contrast to the tone of the rest of the song Mm -hmm. and ultimately the purpose that that plays in the song is subsumed in the regular suffering Mm. like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna drown my sorrows in this beautiful little music yeah and it works for a moment but then here comes the the regular suffering to take over again yeah it really backs the theory that this is kind of a blues album we're going to enjoy our suffering and make our suffering enjoyable to you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And this little moment of jazz is kind of the exception. It's the contrast. Mm-hmm. It's saying, yes, this really is a blues album because look how different jazz is from it. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a dichotomy. It's not a black and white here, but there's a stylistic difference that flows very well. They work very well together. They communicate. You wouldn't even think twice about it if you didn't listen to it 30 times. (laughs) (laughs) And it brings the rest of the song and the rest of the album into focus. It's a Mm -hmm. beautiful little departure that really enhances the entire listening experience of the entire freaking album. I I love it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think it's so great. It is very solid. Ian's voice in this song. Exactly where I was going. Yep. What do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) I'm so sorry. About his voice. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's very, very solid. We've got two little things that I noted at about tired plumbing. It's not quite a key change, but he goes up higher than you would expect him to go. Okay, yes. Higher than he's been up until that point. Tired plumbing wakes me in the morning. It's not the same thing, but there is a distinct change when we hit a million other little things to spoil my day. Now, how about a little light music? And then he gets conversational there. He turns conversational. Yeah, talky. Crumbs on a breakfast table. And a million other little things to spoil my day. How about a little light music to chase it all away? Chase it all the way. To go back to the line you were talking about, mm-hmm. Tired Plumbing, if you return to the melody that he's set up, there's a black cat down on the quayside, or can't sleep through the wild sounds of the city. Here we have him jumping up almost an octave. Tired Plumbing wakes me in the morning. Yeah, he goes up oh. instead of down, yeah. Because he's set up that melody, it's what we're listening for, and then he goes higher with it. Because he's established it, it's a variation that works and not just like random notes that he's singing, mm-hmm. which is also very in the blues tradition. You set the tune and then you, you know, you sing in the same key, but play around with it and mm-hmm. make variations. It's also, I think it can be compared slightly to, to that jazz breakdown that we had. We've set up what we're expecting. We get a little tweak here and then we go back into it. Granted, it's far less drastic, but there's a power behind it. There's a feeling behind it that is so much more significant than same thing every time. Same thing every time. This is how we sing this song over and over. It makes me think of Cab Calloway. Are you at all familiar? I know the name, but other than that, I couldn't place anything. He was a band leader and performer in the very unique gentleman in the 30s and 40s. The character that I played over the summer was loosely fashioned after Cab Calloway. And a lot of the music that I sang over the summer were a lot of his songs. Ah, okay. The thing that's making me think of him is that he was kind of at a transition point between the blues and jazz. Mm. He led a jazz band. He was a, you know, he's a jazz performer, but there's such a heavy blues influence. Mm. Mm -hmm. And especially in some of his songs, you're like, oh, he's really taking it back there. Nice. And he was somebody who was really skillful at switching between modes. Yeah just at the right time. Mm. This reminds me of that. It's almost the opposite. It's like, yeah, we're doing the blues. Now we're just going to slide over into jazz land for yeah. a moment. They're cousins. Their genes work together. If you cross-pollinate them too much, they might be a little inbred. But other than that, like they... Yeah. You can 
put them on top of each other and you see how they fit. Oh yeah, you can. Oh girl. And if you pay a nickel, I'll let you watch. <laughs> the way that I understand the history of it, it was jazz was what happened when the blues met classical music. Oh my God, that makes so much sense, yeah. In New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's literally what happened. You can see the crossover, you know, both of those elements are there strongly. Yeah, that's really cool. I never heard that, but that makes so much sense. That's great. I mean, I'm sure that there are lots of other elements to it, but that's the main mm -hmm. incubation that I understand. Yeah. There's something beautiful that Ian is doing when he does the kick my shoes away mm -hmm. at the very end of the song, kick my shoes away. It becomes almost like a mantra. Mm -hmm. He adds in a couple of yes and uhs throughout there. Yeah. Not crazy, but they're in there. Not crazy. But he repeats that kick my shoes away one, two, three, four, five times punctuated with a couple of rocks on the road. Mm -hmm. Martin is backing up with this incredibly relaxed guitar work. Sometimes it's being paralleled by the flute. Sometimes they're diverging. Mm -hmm. Kick my shoes away. Kick my shoes away. Rocks on the road. For me, it creates this cyclical, never-ending cycle of, of suffering. <laughs> yeah. It feels a little bit like, I know this might be sacrilege, but I'm not terribly fond of the movie Groundhog Day, but it feels a bit Groundhog Day-y to me. Yeah. In terms of, in the second half, when we're going to talk about the context of the song itself, it seals the theory that I have going for this. That this is the first in an attempt to musicalize Groundhog's Day. Actually, Groundhog's Day already already became a musical. Not before this, though. No, more recently. Yeah. Because we're in this age now where the only type of musical that you can produce are either jukebox musicals or terrible musical adaptations of movies that were popular 30 years ago. Yeah. Anything original? Yeah. No, please. What a time to be alive. Please not. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, 4-4, four, four, yet again. A quick 4-4. Four, four. Yes, it is. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. So that's interesting. So far, everything we've heard has been 4-4. Four, four. We've heard four songs here now. Almost all of Rock Island was 4-4, four, four, right? I think. Mm -hmm, Almost mm -hmm. all of it. So I feel like there's this, and I think we've talked about it in other contexts before, where... Before 4. He Before 4. But he's reached a point, or the band themselves, the musicians themselves have reached a point... I'm not sure how much say the rest of the musicians have, but they've reached a point where they are so expert at their instruments hmm. that they're not trying to prove anything with the prog. Hmm. They're trying to prove things with 4-4. And boy, are they proving a lot because the musicality on these albums is so solid. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. And that's one of the things that I love about this era you pointed it out. They ain't trying to prove shit to nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if we follow the blues trajectory, the blues pretty much exists in 4-4. Right. It's not an, a musical form. And I'm sure I'm wrong about this. I'm, so I'm sure we're going to get letters being like, look at this famous 3-4 blues piece. But for the most part, it's a 4-4 art form. Mm-hmm. When you get to jazz, it gets a little fancier, but... Was that just like... That was the blues, Nick. Riding a horse? 
in a cowboy movie. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> we talk about the twelve. Talk about the twelve um, steps. Yeah, twelve. <laughs> the twelve steps of the blues. Anger. <laughs> Denial. Acceptance. <laughs> No one's written to me. All of my letters seem to get lost in the mail. Okay, okay, okay. There was a storm in Florida. It was very underwhelming. Yeah, we got some rain here. Our land is so soggy now. It's like a rice paddy out there. It's crazy. My land is so soggy. How soggy is my land, let me tell you. So soggy you could put a canoe on it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any correspondence other than the fact that sweet dear Anglo correspondent Vicar John for Queen and Country has invited us to stop by the vicarage for some tea when we're out in London. We must! Amazing, we have to make that happen. We'll get our knuckles wrapped. I cannot wait to be punished. (laughs) I do want to talk about this song in particular. I did not hear this song initially on this album. I heard it on A Little Light Music, the live album from 1992 that I had early into my tall career. Which is amazing because this song pre-references the album A Little Light Music. It has prescience. Of a later album. That's where they get the lyric name. They chose it from that, is my guess. I'm guessing that tour was for this album, because that album came out in 92. So they they must have been running with that album at the time. The other thing is a lot of the older songs on A Little Light Music, they tweak a little bit. You know, they have like a nice variety. They have the reggae version of Too Old to Rock and Roll, as Ian says. Oh, yes. That was the reggae version of Too Old to Rock and Roll. But this one is just straight out of the box. This is exactly what this song sounds like. And other than the fact, I think the jazz breakdown is a little bit longer because it comes out to about seven minutes on a little light music. Mm, Okay. It's key for key. I couldn't tell you where they change anything, where they add it. It's pretty spot on. And that makes sense. If it had been released recently enough, there wouldn't have been much time for it to change or evolve. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think... If they're touring that album, they wouldn't want to change it. I'm actually going to pull it up really quickly and have a... An example of the changes that they did make, obviously Too Old to Rock and Roll, but they also did an instrumental version of Under Wraps that's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. So when I initially heard Under Wraps, the proper Under Wraps, it was very mind-blowing. Ooh. Yeah, that's my favorite version of Under Wraps. It's so pretty. It's that gorgeous acoustic. I'm going to take a quick listen to, to the Rocks on the Road version. Yeah, go ahead. Rocks on the Road. Ah. Uh-huh. A little faster. Okay. Yeah. There's a black cab down on the quayside. A little gruffer. A little, little freer with the tempo. Yeah. A little bluesier, a little jazzier, maybe a little funk to it. It's great. Real good. You're right. It is very, 
very similar mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Great. That's it. That's the only note I had that it's one of those where you grow up, quote unquote, you grow up exposed to a specific version of a song, whether it's mm. the live version or even the skipping version of yeah. This is not love. And that gets ingrained as the right version. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's Master a, Nick. That's... Marley. Master Nick. I didn't expect you to be here this late. What's up, Marley? Where did you want me to put all of these moths balls? Oh, um, I think we've probably got a drawer for those next to the gnat's testicles, I think, right? I pour them in. Had to resharpen me scalper 30 times. Yeah, I appreciate the diligence, though. It's a lot of work. It's very finicky, finesse work. And you did it. And I'm, I really appreciate that. I'm glad I gave you an extra steak this weekend. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Need more energy for castrating more insects. Get ready for the praying mantises next week. It's going to be a busy one. I, I... Don't grow any antennae. (laughs) Nick, welcome back to the second half of this here podcast in which we shall discuss, dissect, dichotomize, dehydrate, and delight in the lyrics which were sung uh, upon the song in which we have access to through the beautiful mom tome, Silent Singing. You're pulling Charles Dickens here. That was a, 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 a very circuitous route to say, we're talking about the lyrics now. We sure are. <laughs> Before we jump into them, let's talk about the phrase rocks on the road. Okay. What do you got? You know, I think that it's one of those phrases that is both poetic and literal. Okay. And therefore is up my alley. Ooh. You know, if you say, oh, we, we hit some rocks on the road. I think it's in the States more common to say bumps in the road, mm-hmm. yeah. but it, it indicates that things are not going as planned. Turbulence. Sure. Yeah. Whatever your mode of travel, whatever the thing is that disrupts it, those are your rocks on the road. Yeah. A penny on the train tracks. Does that affect a train at all? I have heard, but I don't know. I've never tried it. I don't believe it. But it could also refer to literal rocks on the literal road, which mm-hmm. would be the figurative rocks on the road if you were on the road. Double stacked meaning. Exactly. Yeah. And really, the whole song is about the emotional implication of what happens when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. The first line has a, has a word that a lot of Americans are unfamiliar with. There's a black cat down on the key side, spelled Q-U-A-Y-S-I-D-E. Yep. I just pulled up the etymology for everybody for a little little word corner here. Let's hear it. So a key is a landing place, place where vessels are loaded and unloaded, or a wharf. 1690s is spelling variant of the Middle English key, which is K-E-Y, K-E-Y-E, or K-A-Y-E. It's from the Old French Kai. In Gaulish, it means sandbank. Mm, that makes total sense. From the old Celtic, it's kagio, to encompass or enclose. Mm-hmm. And that comes from Welsh for kai, which is fence, hedge, and in Cornish, it's key for hedge. From the Proto-Indo-European kag, to catch, seize, or wickerwork fence. Yes. Well, thank you for that. 
that specific spelling is altered by influence from the French. And the French still use that word. There are plenty of places in Paris called Quai de whatever. Oh, interesting. Along the Seine in, mm -hmm. in Paris, there is the, this, the, this key, that key, the key of this, the key of that. Right. Not to be confused with like the Florida Keys, different spelling. K-E-Y. Yeah, right. That's just yeah. a collection of islands, right? Is that what the keys are? In Florida, it is. In Florida, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a black cat down on the quayside. Ship's lights, green eyes glowing in the dark. There's a black cat down on the quayside. Ship's lights, green eyes glowing in the dark. The green eyes of the cat, no doubt, reflecting the lights of the ship. I've got a velvet monitor green, very boring. And I'm. this is like the one thing that I remember us talking tall about, like very specifically in high school. Oh, really? I asked you, do you think it's ship's lights or search lights? Oh, funny. I always heard search lights, green eyes glow in the dark. Search lights. Kind of works the same. I think I remember, yes, because if it was search lights, it would be the eyes of the cat that were searching. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. I, I still thought about the reflection. But yeah, that works too. That's really good. I was thinking of it like the Miyazaki cat bus. Mm, yes, from, uh, from Totoro. Totoro. Yeah. yeah. Two young cops handing out a beating know how to hurt and leave no mark. Two young cops handing out a beating know how to hurt and leave no mark. Oh! Oh, to live in a time where they hurt and left no mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where there was enough oversight where they had to know how to not leave a mark. Yeah. Even in this, it's the cynicism shines through. Oh, sure. Yeah. You have the kind of natural side of things, the black cat reflecting the eyes of, of the ship, which becomes a little bit more unnatural. And then the cops beating someone up with a bag of oranges. <sighs> a gym sock full of oranges. It's interesting. And all of those could be visuals, but all of those are also auditory things. Mm, you could mm -hmm. hear the black cat, you could hear the ship, you mm -hmm. could hear the cops beating the heck out of somebody. You can ev even hear the key, you can hear the water. Absolutely. You know you're at the water's edge, yeah. Very atmospheric. Yes. And it gives a mood of taut and poignant and amoral. Yeah, so far just that single verse, we don't have anything terribly substantial to clue us in on the rest of the song. So it is giving us that environment and the overall feel of the song. Like you, like you said, it's, it's dark. There is, I think you're right. There is a cynicism there that really is going to, it's setting us up for the rest of the song. It's a sense of sexy foreboding. I have a very sexy learning disability. What's it called, <laughs> Kiff? <sighs> Sex Lexia. <laughs> You know, Zap, someone ought to teach you a lesson. If it's a lesson in love, watch out. I suffer from a very sexy learning disability. What do I call it, Kif? <sighs> Sex Lexia. I love Zap Brannigan so much. So He's good. So absurd. Down in the half-lit bar of the hotel, there's a call for the last round of the day. We're down in the half-lit bar of the hotel. There's a call for the last round of the day. Nick, have you ever had a drink in a hotel bar? No. 
You're not a big drinker, nor a big hotel stayer. No, I mean, the. you know what? Maybe I had a beer. No, I probably didn't. When I went to Vegas for Consumer Reports, when I worked for them, I ate in the hotel bar for my meals. I don't think I had a beer, though. It was a glass of milk, probably. A glass of, <laughs> glass of warm milk, and I immediately went up and tucked myself in, gave myself a, a smooch on the forehead, and went <laughs> immediately to bed. Yeah, no, no, I can't say that I have. I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many drinks I've had in a bar, in a, an actual bar. It's probably, I can count them on a single hand. Count them on a single finger. <laughs> the half-lit bar of the hotel is such a beautiful way of describing the late-night state of a place like this. Mm. I get the sense that this is a place on the edge of civilization somehow. Mm. It is not the center of the world. It's not London. It's not New York City. Yeah. Half lit also means half empty or more than half empty. I don't mean it literally means that, but, but it conjures to mind okay. the idea that it's not even worth the bar keeping all the lights on. Mm, yeah. Because that's how few people are drinking there. I also get the sense, particularly, I think it helps because it's backed by a call for the last round of the day. Mm-hmm. They're putting stools on the benches. Literally. They're literally closing up saying, all right, right get gone, that's telling us that this narrator is, that's what they're choosing to do with their time for whatever reason. They're closing the bar. Right. And that could be just anywhere else is a worse option than here. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here until I have to leave. It could also be, you know, if you're living the life of a touring performer, that was the only thing that was open. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You have to decompress. Even if you had your meals catered, you can't just go straight from the gig to bed. You need that liminal space to decompress. And in this case, the liminal space is spooky. Oh, oh goodness. Oh, my. Push back the stool. Take that elevator ride. Oh, I always heard it as take that elevator right. Me too. I did. Yep. One of those sideways elevators. (laughs) I thought it was the one on the right. Yeah. Yeah. Fall in bed and kick my shoes away, kick my shoes away, kick my shoes away, rocks on the road. Push back the stool, take that elevator right. Fall in bed and kick my shoes away. Kick my shoes away. Kick my shoes away. Rocks on the road. The image that I get is somebody who is too tired to even properly undress. Yeah. Literally falling into bed. All they're taking off is the shoes. And not even by hand. Right. (laughs) Just kind of kicking them off his feet. There is this sense of safety and acceptance here. Because if we're talking about rocks on the road, presumably they would be proverbially ones that you're stepping on. You would want to keep your shoes on for that. It's interesting. He's kicking off his shoes. He's in a safe space, regardless of why he's there what he's doing there, when he goes to his hotel room, there is a sense of security there. There is a bubble because he can take that off. It's like taking off the mask, you know? Interesting. I like that theory. And so sleep is his repast, his safe space, which unfortunately in the next line, can't sleep to the wild sound of the city. I love the way he sings that. It sticks out. This is Mm -hmm. when the music is really ramping up. Yeah. Hear a car full of young boys heading for a fight. Can't sleep to the wild sound of the city. Hear a car full of young boys heading for a fight. I 
wonder why that's so significant. Hmm. They'd be hooping and hollering, I guess. You know, just making a lot of noise. Yeah, I wonder if there's also a sense of if we say that this person is Ian at this point in his life, he's a little older, more experienced. Sure. Maybe yeah. he's thinking about when he was a young man heading for a fight, and now he's so tired. <laughs> in his greaser phase, yeah. Yeah. Long-distance telephone keeps ringing out engaged. Wonder who you're talking with tonight. Talking with tonight. Who are you talking with tonight? Rocks on the road. Long-distance telephone keeps ringing out engaged. Wonder who you're talking with tonight. Talking with tonight. Who you're talking with tonight. Rocks on the road. Yeah. Want to unpack that for us? Did we mention that in... Was it Roll Your Own? We talked about it earlier. Yes, yes, yes. It was Roll Your Own. Yeah. Well, you know what moves you in the wee hours when there's nothing on the answer phone and you don't get enough of that electric love. You know what moves you in the wee hours when there's nothing on the answer phone and if you don't get enough of that electric love. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you mentioned it perfectly that last track. You forementioned up into this this line here that the last thing you do is you, you put the bar to bed you crawl into bed yourself and then you call your sweetie and that's the only way to get in touch that's the that's the fastest most direct way to get in touch and the technology at the time was such that if you were on the phone with somebody and someone else was trying to call you you would never know about it yes right literal busy signal beep that sense of missed connections is really yeah. strong. And also the doubt that it seeds into the mind. Yeah. Why is the phone engaged? Who, who's she talking to? For whatever reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the other option? I mean, a beeper and a fax machine? Like, what was the tech in 92 at that point? But the fax, you'd have to have your own fax machine. Right. You'd have your personal line, yeah, which is absurd. I mean, maybe Ian did have a personal fax in 92. It's possible. I wouldn't put it out of possibility, yeah. There is an amazing photograph in Silent Singing, mm -hmm. which is page 167. He references that it's for Still Loving You Tonight, which also has some of these same themes. But mm -hmm. we see a lot of the things that are in Rocks on the Road referenced here. Mm -hmm. It's a black and white picture of Ian reclining on a hotel bed, wearing a beautiful black jacket, a crisp white shirt, a designer watch, cowboy boots, and no pants. Gold-tipped boots, black jacket, and tie. Yes. Oh, but there's, is there a tie in there? I don't think there's a I don't tie. Think there's really a tie. Maybe there, oh, there is a tie. There is a tie. Pantless, he's got a drink in his hand. And he's on the telephone. He's talking he's on, the, on the phone. And looks rather delighted. I've never seen that man so happy. There are two empty mini bottles of black label on the bedside table. Mm-hmm which we'll get to the reference to in a second. Before we go any further, I've got a fun little facts story that I think you might like. A facts story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton does not text. She doesn't call. She insists on using facts. Wow, okay, why? She's old, that old antiquated lady. And her, her goddaughter? I don't know. Miley, she's somehow connected to Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus is her goddaughter. So she will, Miley Cyrus will text her assistant 
to send the facts to Dolly Parton, which then gets picked up by Dolly Parton's assistant and brought to Dolly Parton to read. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Very delightful. That's great. She's a peach. Love it. Okay. Carry on. Tired plumbing wakes me in the morning, shower runs hot, runs cold, playing with me. Well, I'm up for the downside, life's a bitch and all that stuff, so come and shake some apples from my tree. Tired plumbing wakes me in the morning, shower runs hot, runs cold, playing with me. Well, I'm up for the downside, life's a bitch and all that stuff. So come and shake some apples from my tree. We kind of, you know, we were joking about the the stages of grief, mm. but there does seem to be some relevance here. You know, he's sort of listing all the things that are getting under his skin. Mm-hmm. Any one of them by itself would be totally fine. Yeah. But it's like if you, you weren't able to get your dinner because the bar closed too early, you were too tired to undress properly and so your clothes are wrinkled. Mm. You couldn't sleep and so you feel like crap in the morning. The shower wasn't working and so you end up having a half cold and a half hot shower and feeling dissatisfied. He kind of seems to end with this point of like, well, fine. Fine, come in, yeah, come at me, life. Come, Come at me, bro. Life's a bitch. The theory behind life's a bitch is that it's acceptance. It's like, this is what life is. Yeah. That phrase kind of died in the early 2000s, I think. But but I like it. I used it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I also think this helps set our geographical location a little bit more. Ooh, tell me more. In the sense that a lot like what you said earlier, that it's kind of on the edge of civilization. Mm -hmm. It's clearly not a high-class swanky hotel if the plumbing is old and doesn't give you hot or cold water. Interesting. That says something about the quality of where he is staying in this venture. I love that. On the flip side of it, you could also say, how annoying would it be if you paid a bunch of money for a hotel and the plumbing doesn't even work? Okay. Yeah. I like that too. Either way, it works. Mm -hmm. I love the line, have to pay for my minibar madness. I have to pay for my minibar madness. The minibar has kind of gone out of fashion as well. I don't think I've ever stayed in a hotel that was swanky enough to have a mini bar. But I mean, I'm, every place I've, I've stayed at has vending machines around the corner, you know. But no alcohol, right. you know, it doesn't have the minis. I haven't seen it in probably 10 years, but what it used to be is you'd, your hotel room would have a fridge in it. Mm-hmm. And there'd be liquor in the fridge. And it was just there and you could drink it. But then they would go in and be like, okay, one of those, one of those, three of those. Yeah. Okay, And then it would charge you exorbitant prices. They wouldn't label them with prices. They would just have what looked like free liquor and people would drink it and then, you know, have a rude awakening the next day. That's how they get you. Same with the itemized phone bill. Nobody uses a hotel phone anymore. Yeah. But in the old days, they would charge you really high rates to use it. Yeah. So if he's trying to call, keeps ringing out engaged, who are you talking with tonight? Every single time he calls. That's 15 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) So he has another drink. Yeah. Well, how about some heavy rolling to move these rocks on the road? Well, how about some heavy rolling to move these rocks on the road? To me, that speaks to the big trucks that would be carting their gear. Mm-hmm. Or even heavy rolling just, you know, could mean putting distance between you and the place where you are. And heavy in terms of a burden, I think. Well, I got to oh, trudge yes. on. We got to keep yeah. going. We signed up for this. We got we to gotta finish it. 
this Sisyphusian task. The illusion that putting space between you and the place where you experience suffering will allow you to escape your suffering. It is false because you yourself are the cause of your own suffering. Yeah, it'll be waiting ah, for you at ah, the next hotel. Ah. Yeah. Which he discovers with crumbs on the breakfast table and a million other little things to spoil my day. Crumbs on a breakfast table and a million other little things to spoil my day. I can relate to that. Yeah. Crumbs bother the living daylights out of me. Really? I didn't know oh, that. Oh, I can't. I don't. I can't do it. I, they bother me. I can tell. You want to talk about it? or? It's a textural thing for me. Oh, interesting. I like smooth surfaces. Touching them? Or the potential for needing to touch them? God forbid I touch them. But even, yes. But seeing them, I will burn this house to the ground. <laughs> Seeing them makes me think about what it would be like to touch them, and I go, ew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wet toilet paper does that to me. Like really wet paper, wet paper towel, like really yeah. saturated. Ugh. Yeah. I hate it when you're staying in a hotel and you take a nice poo and then you reach for the toilet paper. Sopping wet. Soaked, just absolutely soaked. Full of crumbs. They put the, <laughs> they put the toilet paper in the bidet. Just shoots <laughs> through it. So I can, I can relate to like, you know, everything was totally going fine. I was having a great day. And then there were crumbs on the breakfast table and the rest of the day it just went total. It was just like killed it. It's the chink in the armor. Yeah. You were great until that busted it wide open. And then, and oh, this guy honked and this guy's late. And then this right, and this right. and this. And it just, by the end of the day, it's compounded to be miserable. Except. Well, before, yes. Well, there's there seems to me something in this idea that the size of the rock is proportionate to how you perceive it. Mmm, I like that. The rock on the road, quote-unquote, is a minuscule little crumb. But encountering it, it feels like this massive boulder that's blocking my trajectory. Sure. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, how about a little light music to chase it all away? Chase it all away. How about a little light music? Chase it all away. Chase it all away. You could say, oh, he's just going to listen to music on the, the tour bus or, or on his travels from one hotel to another. But I mean, it's very self-referential. He's saying that as himself playing it, but also to the listener. Like, hey, just listen to my music. Everything will be okay. Absolutely. And the added level of irony to that is my day freaking sucked. And now I'm going to go and delight a bunch of people with my music so that they can forget about their problems? Yeah. What about me? <laughs> it's the Pagliacci, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, totally. And then we just get repetition Yeah. from there. I mean, that's the end of our, our narrative is how about a little light music? What about coming back to something I referenced in the first half, this kick my shoes away, rocks on the road mantra that he ends with anything significant the groundhog dayness yeah what do you what do you reckon i think it's just the idea of doesn't matter what the hotel is doesn't matter the city wherever you are like when you start a tour that's how the day ends that's how you know the day is done everything else can be different and change and you be in a different location you play a different set of songs whatever but you flop into bed and you kick your shoes off and you pass out. Yeah. 
And then we just see that as a montage of flumph, flumph, different beds, different art on the walls, but it's always him dropping into bed, kicking off his shoes. This is a very imagery heavy song, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. I really like it. Especially compared to if if you look at Rock Island, I think that the imagery, we talked about how the imagery was misty. It was vague in some ways, which was part of the appeal about it. But Mm -hmm. I love the specificity of the imagery in this album. Yeah. And I I totally see the music video, art video, black and white, you know, when I listen to this song with exactly what you're describing. The imagery is a lot like the sound for this album. It's a lot like the the concept. It's much more specific. It really zeroes in on the emotion of that song in a much more visible manner. You know, it's not that amorphous like, ooh, Rock Island. And you're just like hearing that echo through the the waves and the and the mist. You know, we see him dropping into bed. We see yeah. the cat's eyes flashing green. It's all stuff that we've experienced, either directly or something close enough that we can relate to it. Yeah. I think that's what makes this successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good song. It's a really good song, and it, it really it's a comforting song to me. Yeah. Okay. There's a warmth there. I, I mean, I feel weird saying it like that, but I there's know. something that's familiar, I guess, is really what it is. I think you just cracked it for me that there's this there's this sense of yes, all of these things are really annoying. And yes, so there's all this suffering with these, you know, day-to-day things that I just find myself so annoyed about. But at the end of the day, it's a reliable enough pattern mm. that there is a sense of familiarity, yeah. comfort. Enjoyment is probably too strong, but a acceptance. Right. There are always going to be rocks on the road, and I'm always going to kick my shoes away. If you got to deal with it, at least make it a habit, like a, a muscle memory thing, as opposed to just utter randomness. You can never get comfortable. You can never. It's like totally. water torture. The rate of the drip is never the same, and you'll go absolutely bonkers. There was some blues singer who ended up, you know, who toured. 60 years or something. Maybe it was B.B. King. And the the rumor that I heard is that when he finally settled down, after a few weeks of staying at his home, he called some contractors to remodel his bedroom. And he had them remodel it as an exact replica of a hotel room in like, in in some crap motel in middle America because he was so accustomed to that. That that was the only place he felt comfortable sleeping. Yeah, I've heard that too. I don't quite remember who it was referenced about. It's probably apocryphal, but it's a good story. And therefore, we will tell it. Even better, yeah. Nick, what are we talking about this very next week? A mere seven days from now. Next week, we are on track five. I would say we're flipping the vinyl, but the vinyl is all sorts of mixed up. So we're on track five. We're flipping the CD. It is Sparrow on the Schoolyard Wall. And this is track five in the Gregorian version of this album. Yes, not Caesarian. Yeah. Exactly. Sparrow on the Schoolyard Wall, another amazing track, another one of my favorites, one that reminds me of Dear Mr. Riley. 
Oh, really? Yes, the Great Corrupter. Yeah, I've got one in on Roots to Branches. That's Mr. Riley from. Oh, okay. Until next week, I am the downside. Nick McGill and Omen Sade is the bitch and all that stuff. <laughs> we are the mini bar madness known as the Feckless Moms. And this is a car full of old boys heading not for a fight, but for bedtime. Talk tell to me. <laughs> a fight with sleepiness. Bonsoir, this is uh, Frédéric of the Hotel Les Trois Canards here in Grandville. What can I do for your room 771? Hi, is, is this a front desk? Oh, yes, this is the bureau of the front of the hotel. Uh, oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, no? Uh, oui, it is. Now, I, 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 have, a, I have a complaint. Uh, when I... Uh. When of I course. came up this afternoon, there was not yes. a mint on my pillow. A mint. Uh, I'm going to have to look up that word. Which is one moment. Please put on hold. Oh, Charlie. Oh, it's long to the author. Oh, it's a connard. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, 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 Bonjour, monsieur. Oh, yes, a mint. Uh, yes, I apologize very strongly about the mint. Uh, perhaps you could uh, write to your mummy and have her send you one. <laughs> we don't do mint at this hotel. It is not French. I'm sorry. You, you know I'm, I'm an American, right? We kicked your ass in the war. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Our big, sexy ass. That's, that's right. And we gave you as a gift, la chlamydia. Now, is there anything that I can do else for you, Mr. Room 1771? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, now that you mention it, my toilet paper was not folded into the shape of a swan. Oh, I do apologize. I think we have a cultural misunderstanding uh, because I know that in the United States, you have the toilet paper, which is made from, oh, comment dit-on? Uh, the ask of the corn, but here in La France, we do much more civilized. We use a jet of water like the fountains of Louis the Fourteenth. You press the button, and the fountain goes right up into your butthole. Yeah, we use ask of corn. So what? You and your weird water fountain in the in the the gay way. I will not let that touch my butt. If it is a problem, we can have a uh, we can have a strong man come up and spray it for you. If you cannot find your own asshole, or if you don't know your elbows, I might just have to use a hand towel if that's how this is. <laughs> Anything else I can do to make your stay more comfortable? Yeah, I I don't see a free Wi-Fi password anywhere. It was not in the the ah, paperwork that I received when I, yes, I checked in. Yes, yes, uh, that is in fact a serious oversight. We will send you a free wife. Uh, to make sure your stay here is pleasant, we have several to spare, and we don't like them. So you can have whichever one you want. Mine is fine. I sent her now. As long as she can help me get hooked to the internet, I got to listen to my podcasts. I can't miss an episode. 
Oh, monsieur, I'm afraid that uh, the only way to listen to a podcast here in uh, in the Hotel de l'Etoile Connard is to tune your radio, your hotel radio, to a station uh, 001B, station Le Puller, and you say to them, you wait, have to wait until midnight, it will sound like a static, but then we only get one podcast because we are so far from the center. But it is a very nice podcast, which I believe you will enjoy. It is called Tuck Tell to Me. It is exactly the sort of lowbrow humor that the Americans love. Oh, I was hoping it would be Joe Rogan. <laughs>